Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Once again, we find ourselves in this, um, shall I say, sad situation. We make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grants ease to everyone across the whole world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, bring about better days for us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant good health to those who are suffering, going through illnesses, whether at home or in hospitals or in whatever condition they may be. Uh, of course, the people have been impacted in different ways. Many people have lost their jobs. Some people are struggling mentally. There are others who are going through other types of difficulties. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all. So as we've had previously in the first lockdown, inshallah we'll follow the similar pattern. Uh, Surah Al-Kahf has been recited by our respected Imam Maulana Junaid Sahib. Uh, inshallah we will share some words uh, and focusing on the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in particular uh, throughout this blessed month of Rabi'il Awwal uh, and in light of recent happenings. And thereafter we will have the khutbah and the salah which will be performed only by the imams uh, uh, of the masjid and uh, everybody else is requested as previously to do your dhuhr salah at home during this period of lockdown. Uh, as we know, any congregational activity uh, has had to be suspended uh, throughout the country. We make to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings us back all to the masjid and that we don't have to see such days uh, once again. Also, may he make this a means of us becoming closer to him in different ways. Many of us in the first lockdown, we discovered many different ways we could please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we never used to. It did break us, but it make us, made us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let us hope that once again we find an opportunity in this difficulty rather than finding difficulties in this opportunity. The, you know, it, it depends how you see it. You can see it in a positive light and try and find an opportunity. One of the greatest things that was achieved is that we all established a masjid within our home. And uh, those of us who've sort of abandoned the masjid of the house, once again, you can re-establish that so that in our homes, there is an area and a place where tilawat of the Quran, the dhikr of Allah, dua, tasbihat, and similarly, reading of the ta'aleem and the ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the performance of salah, even if it's optional in the days where the masjid is open and fara'id for the women, for the sisters, for the children, and even those males who do not make it to the masjid, at least we can revive that once again and hope that many blessings will be revived within our homes insha'Allah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhin astafa amma ba'd. Fa'audhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-Nabi. Ya ayyuha alladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima recite Duru Sharif. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad. Kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majin. Allahumma barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad. Kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majin. Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullah alayhi mentions an incident in his famous book Zadul Ma'ad 
that there was once a person by the name of Fudala ibn Umair ibn Mulawih, a non-believer, and he had a very nasty intention of assassinating the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Just recently we have had some very nasty attempts of ridiculing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Prophet of Islam. And this isn't something new. People tried all sorts of things. So on this occasion we find that Fudala ibn Umair ibn Mulawih he attempts to assassinate the Prophet ﷺ whilst he was actually succumbulating the Kaaba. So Fudala is making tawaf. The Prophet Muhammad ﷺ is making tawaf. And Fudala is thinking to himself that I'm going to get closer to the Prophet ﷺ and when I get the opportunity, na'udhu billah, may Allah forbid, I will kill him and assassinate him. As Fudala draws closer to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ turned to him and he said, Is this Fudala? And Fudala was taken aback. He says, Yes, it is Fudala. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, What were you just thinking to yourself? He says, Nothing. He goes, No, tell me, what were you thinking? You were, you were just planning something, you were making a scheme. What was it you were thinking? And this is Aisha radiallahu anha would say to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam that even if we wanted to keep a secret from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we couldn't keep any secrets. We couldn't conceal anything. Jibreel would come and tell the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. On the occasion where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam told something to Aisha radiallahu anha, and told her not to disclose it to anybody else, she secretly divulged it to one of the other wives and said, look, don't tell anybody. And before anything, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he instructed Jibreel to inform the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They came and they said, man amba'aka hadha, O Prophet of Allah, I, how did you find out? Who told you about this? Qala nabba'ani al-alimul khabir. Even if you want to keep a secret, we can't because Allah tells you everything. Allah tells you everything. So the Prophet ﷺ, he went closer to Fudala and he said, what were you just thinking? He says, nothing. And the Prophet ﷺ, he took his blessed hand and he placed it on the chest of Fudala. Remember, Fudala was going to assassinate the Prophet ﷺ. Instead, the Prophet ﷺ has been informed of this evil intention and he draws closer to him. He places his blessed hand on the chest of Fudala and he says to him, repent to Allah. And Fudala says, instantly, instantly, upon the touching of the blessed hand of the Prophet ﷺ on my chest, I felt a calmness. I felt a calmness. Imagine somebody is suffering a heart attack and you know a doctor was to place their hand on their chest and immediately they feel. So this person, imagine how, how much anger, hatred, enmity 
and how furious he was against the Prophet and how fast his heart must have been beating when he got so close and he was about to assassinate the Prophet He says when the Prophet placed his blessed hand on my chest immediately all that anger, that frustration that furor that was inside me and the, 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 the enmity that was there, everything just vanished. And I felt so calm, so peaceful. And we can imagine that one finger with which the Prophet ﷺ split the moon. The effect of one finger was the moon split. Imagine all five fingers on your chest. How powerful and effective this must have been. We find on one occasion that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he was late for the Fajr Salah. Sahaba Radiallahu Anhum, they were waiting diligently. They didn't go up and down and looking at the clock and looking at the door and why is it not coming. They just waited. They waited patiently. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he arrived. He did arrive, but he was late on this occasion for the Fajr Salah. He led the Fajr Salah and after the Salah, he told the people, stay in your places. I'm going to explain to you why I, am, I was late today. And then he gave the explanation. He said, last night I woke up at the Hajjud Salah. And during the Hajjud Salah, I went into a trance. And whilst I was in a trance, I saw Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the most beautiful form. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked me that what are the angels in Mala'ul A'la discussing? And I said, oh Allah, I don't know. I don't know what are they discussing. And then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Allah placed his hand on my chest. Now when we say this, this is according to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't have a hand like the hand we have. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from bodily features and limbs and organs. This is just a figure of speech to explain. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam is just telling us what transpired, how it was the form, we don't know. But he says, I felt the coolness uh, of which he, we, the, the experience that I had uh, and, and I, I felt the, a, a type of a coolness and tranquility on my chest. So when the Prophet wasallam, he saw Fudala and placed his hand on his chest, this anger subsided and he became a person who started to love the Prophet wasallam. We find a similar incident when a youngster came to the Prophet wasallam. He said, O oh, Prophet of Allah, give me consent. I ask your permission to commit zina. And the Prophet wasallam said to him, come closer, come closer. And he said to him that, would you like if somebody committed zina with your mother, with your sister, with your daughter, with your aunt? And then he placed his hand on his chest and he made dua, Allahumma ghfir dhambahu wa tahir qalbahu wa hassin farjahu. Oh Allah, forgive his sin, purify his heart and grant him chastity and safeguard his modesty. And this person, he says, when I stood from there, I was a changed person. Zina and adultery was the most hatred thing in my eye. I had no desire left. We find another incident we find in Sahih al-Bukhari. Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he once dispatched me to a certain tribe. However, 
So he's sending me in this direction to go to this particular tribe to complete an errand. The issue was that when I started to, uh, when I tried to mount the horse, I didn't have a firm grip. I couldn't sit on the, and remain on the horse. I kept falling down. I couldn't get onto it. I couldn't remain firm onto the horse. And the Prophet ﷺ, he came to me again, that blessed hand of the Prophet ﷺ, he placed his blessed hand on my chest and he made dua, Allahumma thabbithu wa ja'alhu hadiyan mahdiyah. Oh Allah, grant him a firm grip on the horse and make him guided and one through whom many, many people are guided. He says, from then on, I would gallop on my horse. Nobody could catch me after the blessed hand of the Prophet ﷺ was placed on my chest. Nevertheless, so we were discussing Fudala. He says, that before the Prophet ﷺ placed his blessed hand on my chest, he was the person I hated the most in this world. The anger I had against him and the enmity and the hatred, I couldn't explain in words. However, when he placed his blessed hand on my chest, before lifting his hand, he became the most beloved person to me in the whole world. I loved him more than anyone and everything. He says, from then on, I went, I left from there. I went towards my family and I passed by a girl. She was actually, he says, he was, she was my girlfriend. Before this incident, we would chat on many occasions. And she tried to entice me. She invited me. She called me, come on, let's have a chat. And I said to her that I have just come from somebody who doesn't approve of our relationship. My religion, my deen, and my prophet. Look, for a moment he stayed in the company. He was the worst person. The scholars say, the worst. who's the worst person? There are two types of people that are referred to as the worst people in the world. Number one, the one who kills a prophet. And number two, the one who is killed by a prophet. The one who kills a prophet, we understand. What about the one who is killed by a prophet? The prophets of Allah are the most kind and merciful people. They are so compassionate. Such a compassionate personality. You must have been so evil. You must have been so wretched that such a compassionate personality had to resort to killing you you must be the worst person in the world. Otherwise, these individuals, the Anbiya, the Prophets of Allah, and from among them, the cream of the crop, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil alameen. Such a sublime conduct. It's pinnacle of characteristics he had reached. وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Such rahmah, such compassion, such mercy. So Fudala was about to assassinate. Therefore, that would have rendered him the most wretched individual. But just by the blessed hand of the Prophet ﷺ, now he is a changed and transformed person altogether. He says, I have come from an individual that he does not approve of our relationship. If you go and see him as well, you will realize why I have changed and I have accepted the creed and the ways and the methodology of Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Tell me, who else can achieve this in history to turn the most barbaric and the most radical people who would bury their daughters alive, 
who were living in darkness into lanterns of guidance, into people who led nations, into those individuals who were the most civilized, and we refer to them as the Sahaba, Ridwanullahi Ta'ala, Alayhim Ajma'im. Take every Sahabi, every Sahabi is a miracle. The way he transformed their lives in such a short period of time, through his sublime conduct, through his relations with them, through the way he was and he conducted himself, this is absolutely amazing. This is why one of the scholars has said, every Sahabi is a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ. And every single one of them, one thing we find amazing amongst all of them, that they all loved him. Every Sahabi loved the Prophet ﷺ and they gave preference to him over everything, over their own parents, over their children, over their businesses, over their wealth, over their belongings, even over themselves as well. One of the greatest examples of this is the example of Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Zayd ibn Haritha, when he was young, he was abducted from his parents. And later on, he was sold in the markets as a slave. And it so happened that Khadija radiallahu anha was the one who purchased Zayd ibn Haritha. And he became a slave for Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Khadija radiallahu anha got married, the Prophet Khadija radiallahu anha gifted Zayd ibn Haritha to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as a slave. That this is my, from the gifts that I give to you, one of them is my slave will be now your slave and he will look after your needs and your errands. And this is how we find the introduction of uh, Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu ta'ala anhu into the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Here we learn about couples sharing gifts. Over here we can see, uh, you know, Khadija radiallahu anha is gifting the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it's a two-way thing. So just like men give gifts to women, women should also gift men as well. I'm going to get in trouble for this. Anyway, Haritha, so guys, if you do get any gifts, send the chocolates this way. Haritha who is the father of Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he starts roaming the streets of Mecca looking for his son. Where is my son? Where is my son? And he finds out from someone that if you go to this particular household of Muhammad and Khadija, you will find your son is there. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam hears news. Somebody comes and tells him, that the father of Zayd, Haritha, uh, is coming to search for him. Uh, so they've made aware and when they arrive, the Prophet says, go and call Zayd. Zayd arrives and the Prophet he says, do you recognize these two people? And Zayd says, yes, this is my father, this is my uncle. And they say that we've come to collect our child, this is my son. And I've come to take him. And the Prophet said, Well, at the end of the day, the choice belongs to Zayd. If Zayd wants to go with you, I am more than happy. I don't want to keep him unnecessarily against his will. However, if he chooses to remain, I'm not going to pressure him into anything. And Zayd radiallahu ta'ala anhu 
when he was asked by his father, come on, let's go, I've come to collect you, Zayd ibn Haritha, after experiencing the conduct of the Prophet wasallam, the way he was, you know, the Prophet wasallam gave him the choice and he said that I will never give preference to anyone over the Messenger wasallam. He looked towards the Prophet He said, Antal Ab wa Antal Am. You are my father, you are my uncle, you are my everything. Everything I've ever wanted, I've seen in you, O Messenger wasallam. I can sacrifice even my own father, Zayd ibn Haritha, chose the Prophet wasallam over his own father. And he said, you are everything for me. Can our children say this in regards to us? Have we become everything for them? Do we resemble the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, or do our children sometimes become embarrassed when we, you know, we 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 end up coming in front of their friends or their school friends or other children, and they 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 they, they don't want us to be there. They don't want us to be there. Nevertheless, it reminds me of an incident where there was a young person, Mufti Mahmoud sahab rahmatullah alayhi, would mention that uh, there was once a poor family, very poor family living in a village and they didn't have much money and the father, uh, you know, he was really concerned regarding his son and he wanted him to get a good education and he didn't want him to go through what he went through, all the difficulties, the poverty. So he would work extra hard and he would earn extra money and he would go out of his way to try and earn a halal livelihood so that he could provide for his son and give him a good future and a good education. Nevertheless, after all these struggles and the toiling that he did, he was able to enroll him into a good school as a result of which he was chosen to go to a good college. And then he was selected to go to a very good university in the city. So he's moved out of the village and now he is living in the city. Now, this young boy, sometimes what happens is when you go away from your original roots, you tend to forget your humble beginnings. So now he's in the city, he's living with all the rich children and all the rich boys and he has been studying, he's now an academic. And when the graduation ceremony arrived, he invited, of course, his parents also went as well. Uh, and other family members, poor people from the village, arrive to the city, to the university. And at the graduation ceremony, after all the ceremony had transpired, uh, you know, people were family members were meeting each other. And uh, now the turn came for this young boy who forgot his humble beginnings and he was you know his parents came to meet him and his uncles and other relatives and everything so uh, the he he started introducing his family members so he said you know this is my uncle this is my neighbor this is uh, a family friend of ours this is so and so this is so and so when he came to introducing his dad he became embarrassed his dad was a simple person he was a poor person and he had all rich friends and he thought they might laugh at him, ridicule him. So when he came to his dad, instead of saying, this is my dad, he said, this is my dad's friend. So the father was also intelligent, Mufti Mahmoud Sabrahmatullah would say, that the father was also intelligent. At the end of the day, it was his dad and he was also intelligent. 
He says, no, 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 he's made a mistake. I'm not his dad's friend, I'm his mom's friend. I'm his mom's friend. So he had to go, go at him again to try and remind him of his humble beginnings that don't mess around with me at the end of the day. So anyway, coming back to the point, Zayd ibn Haritha, although his parents came, the Prophet wasallam was everything for him. Imam At-Tabari uh, has mentioned an incident where the Prophet wasallam was traveling and the Sahaba were traveling with him. And he sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the Sahaba, they stopped. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, let's have something to eat. So they had a sheep and they decided to roast the sheep. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, okay, we'll, have, we'll prepare a meal. So immediately, one Sahabi said that, O Prophet of Allah, I, I'm going to slaughter it. I want to take the responsibility of slaughter. I want to do whatever I can, any way I can serve the Messenger of Allah, I'm willing to do it. So I'll take that responsibility. I will slaughter the animal. Another immediately said that I will skin the animal. The third one immediately said that I am going to take the responsibility of cooking the meat. So one said, I'll slaughter it. Second said, I will skin it. Third said, I will cook it. The Prophet wasallam, amazing. In every quality, every aspect, his conduct was absolutely sublime. Now look at his humbleness, his humility. Being a leader, being a person of authority and position, despite this, the Prophet wasallam, he says, okay, you're going to slaughter it. You're going to skin it. You're going to cook it. I will go, let me go into the woods and I will, I will go and collect the sticks and the wood, the firewood, so that we can ignite the fire. Look at the humbleness. And the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, like, we'll suffice. Like, you don't need to do any of this. We are here for you. What are we good for? And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that, don't I know that you will do it for me? I know how much you love me. Of course you will. I know you'll go out of your way. But listen to what he says. He sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, he says, I absolutely dislike and I hate to distinguish myself. I don't like differentiating myself amongst you. I don't like to be put onto a pedestal that I get treated one way and you get treated another way. And Allah also dislikes that a person wants to distinguish himself amongst his or her companions. And I, I don't like this. This reminds me of the incident of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz Umar ibn Abdul Aziz was once in his home and he had certain guests. And whilst the guests were there, they were, they were eating, the oil in the lantern uh, finished uh, because of which the flame went out. And uh, so, you know, the people said that, you know, Sheikh, don't you worry. We'll fix it. Let us go and, you know, we'll, we'll re replace the oil and light the flame once again so we can see. He says, no, no, I'll do it. No, you don't do it. You don't take the trouble. Let us do it. And Umar ibn al-Aziz says, no, you are my guest. Stay here. Let me go. He goes and he lights the candle and fills the oil once again. And he returns and he says something amazing. He says, before I went, I was Umar bin Abdul Aziz. And after I've come back from doing this service, I am still Umar bin Abdul Aziz. Serving people doesn't change who you are. 
at the end of the day, it doesn't make me a bigger or a smaller person. I am who I am. And, you know, he says, I was Umar. Before I went, I was Umar. And after I've come back, I am also Umar as well. The delegation came from Abyssinia. The Prophet stood up to welcome them. Sahaba said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, you are taking the trouble. You sit down, we will welcome them. And the Prophet said, when our delegation arrived there, didn't they stand up and welcome? I will also stand up and welcome them. I, they have a right over us. Let me stand up and welcome them. In Badr, we find that there was a shortage of animals upon which the Sahaba would ride. And the Prophet Sallallahu animal was shared by three people. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sayyiduna Ali Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhu and Sayyiduna Abu Lubaba Radiallahu Ta'ala Anhu. Three people, now they wouldn't three sit at once, they would take turns. So they were rotating. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sat on first. And whilst he was riding, it was fine. The other two Sahaba were walking. Now came the time the animals stopped and the Prophet ﷺ begins to dismount. And the other two Sahaba said, look, we don't feel right. You carry on riding, we will walk, O Prophet of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ said two remarkable things. First of all, <coughs> the Prophet ﷺ said that First of all, he says that you are not more stronger than me. You're saying you want to walk and I should ride. First of all, I am stronger than you are. At the end of the day, you know, I can walk much more than you can. So you should be riding and I should be walking. This is the first thing he says. We know in Hajjatul Wada, on that one night, he uh, had intimacy and cohabited with nine of his wives uh, uh, in that one particular night. We find at the time of the Battle of the Trench, the Prophet ﷺ, during the Battle of the Trench, when the Sahaba could not break the rock, the Prophet ﷺ himself single-handedly was able to break this rock. And that was the first thing. And the second thing which he mentions, which is also remarkable, he says, I am also in need of reward. You're saying you're going to sacrifice and you're going to walk. Well, I'd like to walk and give you a chance to ride on so I can also get reward. That being, that personality, that has no sin. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, You have no sin. And even if you had any, they were all forgiven anyway. But he had no sin. He was, despite this, he's saying that I am also in need of reward. Look at the humbleness and the humility of the Prophet ﷺ. And the Sahaba anhum loved the Prophet ﷺ. They protected his honor. They defended him. They defended him. Yes, they defended him. On one occasion, the Prophet ﷺ was riding his mule. And the mule urinated and standing there was the leader of the hypocrites Abdullah bin Ubay ibn Salul and he passed some very derogatory remarks he said that this mule this mule of the Prophet is causing us discomfort now a sahabi who was there he couldn't tolerate anyone be disrespectful 
to the Prophet ﷺ, no way. Sahaba did not tolerate it. They did not stand for it. They protected him, they safeguarded his honor, and they defended him. Immediately when he said this, Abdullah bin Rawaha radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who was there, he said to Abu Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, Uskut, shut up. How dare you speak like this in the presence of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. لَبَوْلُ حِمَارِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam أَطْيَبُ رِيحًا مِنْ مِسْكِكْ the fragrance of the urine of the mule and the donkey of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam smells better than you. What are you talking about? I'm not talking about the fragrance of the messenger of Allah. The fragrance of the urine of the messenger smells better than you. What ground do you have to speak in such a manner in front of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam? So every aspect of the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala made him reach perfection, completion. When he reached, received prophethood, you know, if you were to receive something on uh, uh, something honorary, you, you were to be given a position, you win, you win a prize, you were to be given a bonus, you're given authority, you are made a leader in charge of something, you have been granted whatever you wanted, you've been toiling for something for so long, and you've achieved it, and it's unbelievable. You're going to run home, and you're going to be boasting, you're going to be proud, you're going to be over the moon, you're going to be so happy, and so elated, that it will be apparent from your face, and you will go and you'll show off and you'll tell everybody and boast about it. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wasn't just, you know, this is not about being sworn into office. It's not like, is it going to be Biden or Trump? It's nothing like this, being sworn into office or being made a leader or winning a game. No, no, no. This, these are nothing. These are trivial things. This is the greatest event. The Prophet ﷺ was made a prophet. He was granted nubuwa. He was granted prophethood. Jibril visited him in the cave of Hira. And he was given revelation of Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq. He has now become a prophet. The greatest authority, the greatest position, the most honor, and not only a prophet, the Imam of Anbiya, Khatam al-Rusul, the beloved of Allah, the cream of all the messengers of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He has been made. However, when he returns home, he doesn't say, Khadija, guess what happened today? No. Khadija, Allah, you know, you, you don't know who you've got married to. No. He didn't say, Khadija, guess what? You know, I've made it. I've clocked it. I've done it. I've reached up there. Today I met Jibreel. Tomorrow I've got a meeting with Mikhail. No. When he enters the home, he is shivering. He is trembling. The humbleness, the humility. He's saying, I don't know what I've done. I don't know what's happened. What if Allah doesn't want me? And he says, Zammiluni. Zammiluni. Humility. Utmost humility. Have you come across any person that is so humble and the first person to recognize his virtue was his wife. She said, Kalla, la yukhzika Allahu abada. 
oh my beloved husband never i have lived with you for so many years and i can guarantee you one thing allah will never let you down this fear and this worry that you've got that allah you know something's going to happen to you and you might no never ever allah will never let you down and we are totally the opposite our wives will probably be the last to compliment us if they say if you want to know how someone really is ask his wife if his wife says he's a good person then you can say it's a good person but normally to praise us for us it will be the total opposite the first person to praise muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was his wife khadija radiyallahu anha our wives will probably be the last to praise us and to say something good about us and wal fadlu ma shahidat bihi al-a'da'u the poet says very beautifully that people can praise you your friends can praise you your family can praise you your followers can praise you but the real praise and virtue is that which comes from your enemies the enemies we find in the time of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam many of them they would say that although we hate him however he's an amazing person although we dislike him but he's the best person ever although we have a grudge against him he is spectacular wal fadlu ma shahidat bihi al a'da'u anas ibn malik radiyallahu ta'ala anhum he served the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam for 10 years remember this is not a customer because with a customer it's different you're always trying the customer's always right you're trying to please them you're trying to make them happy you're trying to ensure you get business from them so even if you don't want to and you might not be a person of good character you're going to keep that smile you're going to try and pretend to apologize if something goes wrong you're going to go out of your way and give them a bit of a discount just so that that money keeps coming in and your business continues remember anas ibn malik wasn't a customer he wasn't an person employed by the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as a worker even with a worker this is a trade relationship he was a slave he was a khadim sorry he was a khadim he was serving he wasn't getting anything out of it he wasn't getting any monetary benefit for serving the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so he's he's in the house and he is serving the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam 10 years 10 years he says for 10 years you know what I don't have a single complaint. I cannot pinpoint any one occasion where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was nasty to me or cruel to me or rude to me or he said to me why this or why not that. He was absolutely amazing sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Anasr an this was across the board. It wasn't just when he was with certain individual with everybody even with his own family members even when something happened which in our houses if something like this was to happen it would be qiyama it would be world war 3 Anas radiyallahu anhu says one day i was sitting in the house of Aisha radiyallahu anha the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was also there one of the other wives umm salama radiyallahu anha she sent some food in a platter So food comes from another wife whose turn is it is the turn of Aisha radiyallahu anha uh, and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says come on let's sit down to eat so they've sat to eat this is where's this food come from umm salama another wife and uh, 
we, 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 over here we don't have much examples of polygamy where we have multiple wives, but we do have the examples of the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. Imagine this food, you know, two different items have come. Or for example, you've gone there and the mother-in-law says, so where, where, where did you people go then? Where did you go to eat? And immediately the, the, the daughter-in-law will say, look, she's trying to say that I don't know how to cook. And the son will say, well, what? She didn't say that. She's saying, where did you go? She didn't say anything. So over here we find, over here we find that Umm Salama has sent some food in a platter. Aisha anha is still preparing her food. It's her day. So she's preparing the food. When she arrives and she noticed that the Prophet has sat to eat and somebody has sent food and when she realized Umm Salama had sent some food, she took the plate of food and she threw it down and the plate smashes and the food goes all over the place. And remember, the Prophet he was very composed. You know, many a times you have visitors in your house and it's just those times when you've got visitors, special people, guests have arrived, your children decide to play up then. It's just at that time. Normally they're fine. And they decide to play up. And they're doing all sorts of things. And it's really annoying. And they're doing the worst kind of things. Even things that they don't normally do. And you have to pretend to smile. And say, oh, they're just kids. Don't, don't worry about it. And on one side, you're giving them daggers and dirties. And you're saying, oh, just wait till these lot go. And, you know, and, and you're just like pretending to smile. And say, oh, you know, they're just kids. That, you know, just, just sit down nicely. And I, 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 so... This happens and she does this and it's not as if there's nobody else there. Anas radiallahu anhu is also in the house. Aisha radiallahu anha, she takes the plate, she throws it down uh, and it smashes. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, very composed, he just says one thing. He said, Gharat ummukum. Gharat ummukum. The Prophet ﷺ has said, on this occasion, he just said, your mother was gripped by her emotion. That's it. He doesn't, you know, there's no chaos in there. There's no World War III happening now. He doesn't go crazy and having a fight over, why did you do this? And what are we going to say? And Gharat ummukum. He understood each person. He understood how to deal with every individual. He says, Gharat ummukum. Your mother became emotional and she was gripped by her emotions. That's why she's done this. Um, the Prophet ﷺ, he picked up the platter and put it aside and he took the platter of Aisha in which there was food and he thought, you know, this one's broken now. So he sent the platter of Aisha with some food to Umm Salama radiallahu anha. When Aisha radiallahu anha would become angry like this, again, the Prophet ﷺ's conduct, when she would become angry like this, the Prophet ﷺ, he would go to her and he would, uh, he would like tap her on her nose. I'm giving you some tips now. So <laughs> when she would become angry, make sure she doesn't bite your finger off or something. When the Prophet ﷺ would notice Aisha her becoming angry, he would go to her and tap her on her nose and he would say, Ya Uwaysh, Ya Uwaysh. Uwaysh is like a, a shortened version of Aisha. And it's like, oh my beloved Aisha. It's like, she's angry. Now imagine, we in our loving moments will refer to each other as, oh my honey, or my baby, or darling, or love. Okay, this is in our loving moments. Now this is like, she's really angry, and he's calling her like, oh honey, oh baby, oh my love. 
And imagine, I mean, what would we do? Like we'd probably say, oh, coffee or something, like being really bitter. So the Prophet wasallam, when she would become angry, he would tap her on her nose and he would say, Ya Uwaysh, oh my beloved Aisha. And then he would say, that now say after me. You, I'm going to make you say, I know you're angry with me. I want you to say my name as well. Ya Rabbi Muhammad. Say this after me, O oh, Aisha. Ya Rabbi Muhammad, O oh, the Lord of Muhammad. Adhib ghaitha qalbi. Make the anger of my heart go away. Wa ajirni min mudillatil fitan. And safeguard me from these trials of, you know, these tests of becoming angry and, uh, 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 and having an argument. Nevertheless, this is the beauty of the Prophet Wasallam's conduct and how amazing he was. I end by mentioning that the Prophet Wasallam's beauty and his radiance, his brilliance in Kanzul Ummal, we find Aisha radiallahu anha says that she had once borrowed a needle uh, from one of the other wives. And whilst she was sewing, it fell and it became lost. It was totally dark. There was no light in the house. She couldn't see where it was. And all of a sudden, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu entered the room and it just lit up everything became radiant the brilliance from his face sallallahu alayhi wasallam lit up the room she says i found the needle and the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam has told us that i will recognize my ummah on the day of judgment because of the shine and the radiance of the parts of wudu therefore when you perform wudu do wudu often and do wudu well because these parts will be shining on the day of judgment i end by mentioning one thing is that let us become an ambassador of the Prophet Let us show the world what Islam really is. And I say, if you cannot become an ambassador, please do not become an obstacle. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the true understanding and the true love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Here in the masjid now, we're going to have adhan and thereafter we'll have the khutbah and the salah of Jumu'ah performed only by the imams in the masjid. Uh, those at home, you can listen by all means and, uh, and uh, you can uh, listen and benefit and inshallah perform your salah to dhuhr at home, whether you choose to perform it collectively in jama'ah or you can pray individually, but at home you'll be performing dhuhr salah. Jazakumullah khairah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.